Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield. Joining me is our guest, Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette newspaper, and Chris Cervello is our producer doing old man radio and doing basically everything else. We are winding toward the end. Uh, We only have a couple of pods left in the season. The sports seasons are winding down. And I'll tell you what, I know that I speak for Wags and Chris and Ward for that matter, that we just really appreciate you riding this out with us all year. It's been an amazing year, a 20 and four record in the star series presented by USAA and there's still work to be done. So let's talk about some winning that took place this past week and weekend for the second time in eight days. And the third time in the last three meetings in the series, Navy men's tennis rallied after dropping the doubles point to defeat Army 4-1 on Sunday in Annapolis in the championship match of the Patriot League tournament. Ladies and gentlemen, Navy men's tennis, they are going to the dance. They are, as of this morning, just announced playing UNC, the 15-seeded UNC uh, Tar Heels down in Chapel Hill. But awesome, congrats to Coach Garner and all of the athletes for their NCAA tournament berth. Uh, for the fourth straight year, all right? It sends Navy to the NCAAs for the fourth straight year. Um, And I'll tell you what, we just couldn't be happier for them. Coming back from losing that doubles point, now they're going to the dance. An incredibly great accomplishment, and we'll keep you updated. They uh, get to Chapel Hill this weekend, and that's where the competition will take place. It's an uphill battle, but hey, they're in, in the NCAAs. Let's talk about Navy women's lacrosse. Uh, I was able to drag myself out of my post-op hospital bed and go into Navy Marine Corps Stadium on Sunday to watch Navy whoop up on American in the Patriot League quarters. Uh, 23 to 13 was the final. Uh, It was a season high 23 goals, also a season best 13 assists for the mids. They were led by Reagan Roloffs who had a day. Uh, Jill Evie and Christine Fiore also joined her. They combined for 14 goals. We do have late breaking news here on Thursday night as we record this. Uh, Navy has defeated Army 16 to 6 in the Patriot League semis. A great win, an absolutely huge win, uh, particularly coming back from losing the star, uh, going up and playing them on a neutral field up at Loyola. They got four goals from roll-offs, three from uh, Leon, three from Ryan, uh, two from Jill Eby. Uh, just an absolutely fantastic performance. You know, Joe Torres really didn't have to do too much work in goals. She had five saves, only gave up six goals. And ladies and gentlemen, this puts us in the Patriot League Championship against a top-season Loyola team that just punked us. Uh, but we get to play them on their home field one more time 
with an opportunity to go to the dance. That'll be Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. As we bring you the pod next week, we will have a full roll-up of that result, which hopefully results in us playing in the NCAA tournament. But one last thing about Navy Women's Lacks winning tonight. Uh, congrats to Cindy Tinchel. Congrats to the ladies. Congrats on a great year exacting that victory over Army. And with that victory over Army, that means that every single Navy varsity sports team that played Army this year won at least once. Okay, we are 20 and four overall in the star competitions. We've made note of that plenty of times. But now this makes us 27 and nine overall uh, with uh, the teams that lost to Army in the star games, having beaten them in the other games, basketball, volleyball, uh, baseball and women's lacrosse. So 27 and nine overall, 24 in the star competitions. Congrats to Cindy and the ladies. Let's get a win on Saturday. Unfortunately, the Navy men's lacrosse season came to an end in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, All Patriot League attackman Tommy Schelling scored four goals and added four assists for Lehigh. Uh, James Spence for Lehigh made 14 saves. And in the end, Lehigh was a bit too much for the fifth seeded midshipmen. They came away with a 14 8 victory. Really, between Schelling and Spence, it was a two-man game, one on offense, one on defense. Schelling was just unstoppable. Um, And, yeah, it it was really the way that the game started. Schelling scored a goal and added a pair of assists as the Navy midshipmen blinked their eyes, and all of a sudden they were down 4-0. They could not make that up, and in the end, the season is over. Now, the future is bright. Xavier Arline is back. Henry Tolker is back. But you lose some really, really quality guys. You lose Nick Cole. Um, you lose Jack Sweeney, uh, who had the great goal against Army. Wags, this wasn't the way the season, you know, we wanted the season to end. We were worried about them even making the Patriot League tournament at first. But then going up to Lehigh proved to be just too tall a task. Yeah, I, the getting down 4 nothing was the problem. You had to get off to a hot start. You're on the road. And uh, Lehigh is a quality program, John. Lehigh has been in the Patriot League tournament final six times since 2012. They've won three Patriot League championships. Coach Kevin Cassis has built a very solid program. And frankly, they're ahead of Navy at this point. Joe Amplo has work to do to get Navy to the point where Lehigh, Loyola, now Boston University. I mean, Boston University is the top seed in this tournament and has been the best team in the Patriot League all season. So they're really setting the pace. And then Army West Point. And uh, the kind of the the one factor here is veteran coaches. Kevin Cassis is in his 15th year at Lehigh. Uh, Charlie Toomey's been at Loyola forever. And Joel Alberici has been at Army a long time. And you, these guys have built solid programs and been recruiting to their systems for a long time. So uh, but the, the Navy, I give them credit. They, they battled. They, they fell behind for nothing, but then they, they fought back to get within two goals twice in the second quarter, 5-3 and 7-5, but they just could not get over the hump. In each case, Lehigh answered with two goals of its own to restore a four-goal lead, and that was kind of the story. And then in the uh, second half, John, Lehigh went on a 6-0 run and just put the game away. Um, Navy was within three goals in the third quarter and they committed a really bad turnover on a clear and that led directly to a Lehigh goal. And I talked to coach Joe Amplo last night after the game and he felt 
that was kind of the real turning point momentum. And that goal off that failed clear uh, was the beginning of the 6-0 run for Lehigh. But you said it, John, the future is bright. And you didn't mention Dane Swanson, Patrick Skowniak. Patrick Skowniak, in my opinion, should be an All-American. He has 48 points on 28 goals and 20 assists. That's the third most points by a Navy midfielder in program history. Just missed getting to 50. Uh, only two other midfielders in program history have ever hit the 50 mark. I think it'd probably be Brian Keith and Glenn Miles, both of whom were first-team All-Americans. But uh, Joe Ampler is doing a good job. I like the young town in the program. Uh, Pat Ryan will be back in goal. Jackson Bonnets, who was first-team All-Patriot League, along with Patrick Skowniak, is back to anchor the defense. Um, and, you know, he's going to keep bringing in more recruits. So uh, I, I do think the future is very bright for Navy men's lacrosse, John. Yeah, I, I love the idea of bringing back a senior between the pipes and Pat Ryan. I love the idea of Skalniak coming back and be a se- being a senior on attack and, and, and really commanding that midfield and goal scoring ability. Uh, and the rest of these dudes, Max Hewitt, Xavier Arline, Henry Tolker, all those guys coming back really makes me feel you know, like next year will be a positive year for Joe Amplo. You know, I'll tell you what, I, I just love the energy that Joe brings to the program. I, I don't know if you guys saw it. I know that Chris Cervello puts up this weight in the gym every day, but Amp put out a video of him bench pressing what looked like, I think it was like 340. Um, but it was a fairly sizable weight there with the rest of the lacrosse players uh, in the weight room, trying to trying to gear them up, trying to get them all motivated uh, for this game. It was not to be, but I know, I know that next year he and Cindy will have both of these teams right there on the cusp, right there knocking on the door for the NCAA tournament and getting them back to where they belong in the NCAA tournament, uh, which is what I think the standard for Navy lacrosse should be. Navy men's lacrosse should not be losing in the opening round of the Patriot League tournament. That is not the standard, and that is not where the program expects to be. They expect to be contending for Patriot League championships. And unfortunately, it's been a while since that happened. So Joe is determined to get the job done. I believe in Joe Amplo. He's a good coach. He's a good person. But above all else, he's a good man for Navy men's lacrosse. He and his outstanding staff will get the job done. It's just going to take a few years. you got to build. Um, it's usually a four or five year process for any new coach. So let's give him time. I think he'll get things turned around. I think uh, I've seen signs that, that that's the direction the program's headed, John. Uh, speaking of Patriot League tournament contests or prospects, uh, the Navy baseball team, unfortunately, in its uh, final regular season game uh, in the Patriot League, they dropped a 13 to uh, 7 decision to Lafayette. Um, they fell behind early by five runs and the pitching kind of let them down. And then that was it. Uh, Lafayette used a seven run six inning to take the seven run lead that it would not relinquish. And basically, you know, there is way, way, way too much like Matthew McConaughey interstellar Tesseract math that has to go into all the tiebreakers. Essentially Navy's Patriot league season is done and they need Lafayette uh, and Holy Cross. Basically, they need everyone to lose out in order for them to even get a shot at the tiebreaker to go to the Patriot League tournament. That is a very odd occurrence. They are not going to go to the Patriot League tournament in all likelihood. 
So WAGs for you, we've been following them all year. We've been talking about the pitching. Uh, it's really been a quiet fly under the radar year uh, for the mids without really a lot of big names like the Noah songs in the past. How do you ev evaluate where Coach Costi is and where they go after this? Well, it's been a disappointing season and definitely not to the standard of Navy baseball that has been set during the tenure of Coach Costacopoulos. So normally, Navy is challenging for Patriot League championships, not just fighting to get into the Patriot League tournament. Um, it just, nothing has really gone right. It, it The pitching has not been up to snuff, but the hitting has also not produced. It's been, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around, and there are some guys on the offensive side of the, of the plate that uh, just did not have seasons you would expect out of them, and they do need to upgrade the pitching. Uh, they just... They did not have the quality starting staff that you need to compete in the Patriot League. And, you know, I, it just uh, it was a, a down year and they need to uh, regroup and rebuild, John. Yeah. And, and we know that Costi and the staff will throw everything they have at it. Uh, but a tough year for Navy baseball. Um, also, not getting the star has got to stick in their throat a little bit. So hopefully that's the motivation they need uh, to go forward. Another Patriot League tournament outcome, uh, Pat Owen and the Navy men's golf team uh, went, went up to Pennsylvania over this past weekend. Um, it was hosted by Lafayette at the Steel Club, which sounds pretty awesome, in Hellertown, Pennsylvania. Uh, the Mids put together rounds of 304, 298, and 299. They finished 37 over overall, which got them eighth place in the Patriot League tournament up there. Um, you know, another year uh, that was marked by, uh, you know, a really great performance by Nick Clock, his teammates as well, a win against Army. But for now, Navy men's golf is done. Um, but I would say that in the end, the future is bright, a young team and probably one of the best golf courses there is on the note of that golf course a very special event is going to be taking place there on May 16th, and that is the Brave Tournament uh, sponsored by Billy Hurley. We are going to talk to Billy about that tournament, about his foundation, about his golf game uh, when we come back from this break. So stick with us. This is Sing Second Sport. A special thank you to our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 on Main Street in Annapolis. Whether you're an Annapolis resident or if you're coming into town to watch sports or for reunion or you just want to get back to Naptown as the weather gets nicer, my favorite is a Cabernet and a Cuban sandwich at Red Red Wine Bar or an Old Fashioned and a Dry 85 burger at Dry 85. You can't go wrong with either. Be sure to check out both establishments and again thank you to brian and lisa bolter for all of their fantastic support now back to the pod all right hey hey ladies and gentlemen we are back thanks for sticking with us here on the sing second sports podcast really happy to be joined by billy hurley this is now billy's i think fourth time uh coming on the pod not to mention the uh, drive-bys at the graduate hotel during football season always good to have billy on the pod and the reason we're talking to Billy again is that May 16th, oh, how time flies, is the uh, Brave Golf Tournament uh, that will be at the U.S. Naval Academy Golf Course. Um, it'll be a, an absolutely fantastic event. Uh, and, you know, Billy's you know, participation in this, you know, this one-of-a-kind event 
it generates 90% of the yearly revenue for the Billy Hurley III Foundation. So Billy, number one, thanks for coming back. Number two, tell us a little bit more about the foundation and how the uh, golf tournament contributes to it. Thanks, John. It's good to be with you guys. Uh, you know, the Billy Hurley III and the Brave Golf Tournament, this will be our fifth year um, doing it. And, um, you know, we've, we've, like you said, it's the primary fundraiser for our foundation. And, and our foundation was really birthed out of, um, you know, some success on the golf course, but some, um, our, our desire to give back to where we came from, you know, and, and, and the military and specifically what we do at the foundation is focus on military families. Our, um, mission is to serve, honor, and enhance the lives of military families. You know, when when I was in the Navy, my wife was a single mom for the better part of two years while I was, you know, deployed and in and out of training cycles and all that stuff when we had our first first uh, child. And so we really just recognized that the entire family is, is really in the service and really affected by the service, not just the service members. So we try and focus on the families. What's it going to be like to have this tournament at the newly renovated course? Um, you were a big part of this renovation We've now opened back up. It's been about a month, maybe a little more than a month without the winter greens. The aeration just took place over the last three days. So the course is absolutely going to be tip top when we get there on the 16th for your tournament. What's it like being a part of watching that transformation of the course to what it is today? Well, it's going to be really exciting um, because this will be our first year playing our tournament on the renovated course. You know, we, we played our first tournament in 2017 and played a couple of years before the renovation. And then we took a, a year off for, for COVID and then a year away from the academy for, um, you know, because because of, because of the renovation and, and, and had it at, at TBC Potomac last year. So it's really exciting to kind of come back to uh, the same place, but a new golf course kind of thing, especially for our, for our sponsors and participants. You know, one of the things I'm most, most proud of with the tournament is our, is our return rates like 75%. I mean, we have, you know, probably 50% of our sponsors are, are, have been with us all five years, you know? And, and so it's really exciting and, and fun for them to then see the, the renovation and be able to interact with them about it. You know, as you mentioned, I was, um, had my had my fingerprint in there and, and kind of, you know, made sure that we we did it as to the best that we could for the Naval Academy. Wags? Billy, have you played the renovated Naval Academy golf club yet? Yeah, yeah, I've played it, played it a handful of times. Yeah, not, obviously not as much as I, you know, kind of used to since we moved to, to Charleston, outside Charleston, South Carolina. But, um, yeah, definitely have, have, have been out there and, and have enjoyed the, the, the changes and the, uh, you know, updated uh, – conditioning you know the golf course you know that was definitely one of the biggest things is is you know providing a first class facility for the men's and women's varsity golf teams so you feel that it's hit the mark anything in particular you feel that the golf course is better now than it was prior oh uh, we were able to add a little bit of length so that's good for the for the modern game and the, and the collegiate game um, and then, you know, the overall, uh, just day in day out condition of the golf course is greatly improved because of just, you know, modern science and new grasses and proper drainage and all that stuff. You know, the golf course hadn't really been touched since 1970, you know, the original greens from 1945 kind of stuff. So, um, you know, just like any, you know, big, uh, big kind of capital investment you have to keep investing and updating it and 
Um, this is the first time we were able to do that. So it's, it's really, um, really, really great for the, for the Academy, for the teams, for the members, and, and certainly our sponsors are going to have a great time enjoying it here in a couple of weeks. And ladies and gentlemen, I should clarify when Billy says they added a tiny bit of length on number 12, the other day, it was playing 246 into the wind. <laughs> I hit driver and was still short. So yeah, that's a little bit of length. Um, yeah, it's just a your... short four for you, John. <laughs> yeah, I, particularly when I, I'm usually about plus seven on all the par threes throughout the day. So uh, a little bit of length, I think, will be will be interesting for the golfers who haven't who haven't seen the new course. Before I let Wags ask you the last set of questions. Billy, from from your perspective, I know you had to drag around, you know, friend of the pod, Jeff Cervello last year. You even had to subject him to an Orioles game, which is like it's worse than going through plebe summer, uh, in my opinion. But, you know, f- from your perspective, what's it like to give back? What's it like to continue to not only give back to your alma mater, to your alma mater's golf course, but to keep making like special choices and, and special accommodations for service members and their families like is that kind of just going full circle for you? How special does that make you feel? Well, it's really special. And I think it's the the thing that I underestimated when we first were putting the tournament together was just how um, special the experience really is for our service members that get to come. I mean, for those of your listeners who don't know, you know, instead of inviting 18 of my friends to come play as the, you know, celebrities in the group, we do um, the Billy Hurley III Foundation Golfer of the Year Award. And those that, that's an active duty service member. We select 18 winners of the Golfer of the Year Award. And they're then subsequently um, given an all expenses paid trip to Annapolis for, for the tournament. And, and so they kind of serve and play as our, our celebrities, so to speak, on a, on a, you know, in a way that we give back to active duty service members. And so, I think that's probably the one thing that kind of blows me away year over year. I forget how special it is for them. And then every year I'm reminded by how blown away they are by the experience, you know, and I said originally when, um, when we first started, you know, working on this and and doing it, I said, we're going to bring the PGA tour to the Naval Academy. We're going to do this the PGA tour way and, 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 and we do it at a, at a very high level. And, and so everybody is uh, given a tip-top experience. Well, before Wags takes us home, I know we'll be out there. We'll be doing some, uh, some live tweets and some Instagram video hits from the, uh, from the Brave Tournament on May 16th. So please uh, be following us that day. I'll even be giving your welcome in advance, ladies and gentlemen, free short game advice. Don't get that short game advice from Billy. You know, he, he'll, he'll just skull him over the green, you know, always, always kind of handsy around the green, but I will be giving free, uh, free short game advice. Wags, take, take us home. Well, Billy, I know this tournament is bears your name, and I know you've put your heart and soul into it, but I think we need to give credit to your wife because I know she's instrumental in both Billy Hurley Foundation, this golf tournament. I think your wife does a lot of stuff behind the scenes and I, like to give you an opportunity to give her a little pat on the back. Well, thanks, Wags. Yeah, there's no question that, you know, Heather's every bit a part of this as, as I am. You know, my, my name just happens to be on it because I'm the one who hits the little white ball, but it's certainly um, a, a team effort has been from from day one when you just go back to playing mini tours and 
and nationwide tour, you know, early PGA tour all the way to winning and, and, and coming full circle and all that stuff and being able to do this. And, um, you know, and, and, and we could go back even further, you know, as far as being in the Navy and being like, I, like I mentioned earlier, being a, being a single mom and, and kind of, you know, quote unquote, single mom kind of thing while I'm deployed and all that stuff. So there's no question that, that Heather does a lot with this. And, and, you know, we do, you know, we talk a lot about the, the, the service members that join us, but, and, and this is some of the stuff that I don't even like talking about because we do stuff behind the scenes, right? We don't, we don't, we're not looking for accolades and stuff at the foundation. We're just looking to serve service members, but we do stuff for the wives. We send the wives gifts um, while their husbands are, are, are with us. And, you know, a, a couple of the wives make the trip with us. We, we treat them to the spa and that, that kind of stuff in, in Annapolis during the day. So it, it, it's again, really about the whole family. And, and that's because of, of my experience and, and my great wife who, who's been behind me the whole way. And, uh, where do you stand with recovery from your back surgery and returning to golf, competitive golf, uh, kind of tell us where you are with your career. Yeah, I, I, I'm still rehabbing from from back surgery two and a half years ago. I mean, I mean, rehabbing's a weird term at this point because I, I'm I'm fine from a, a normal human standpoint. I'm just not quite strong enough and not quite, uh, you know, uh, don't quite have enough stamina to play. You know, six days a week at, at the highest level of golf, and so we just keep trying to work on that and, and keep trying to get a little bit stronger and, and increase a little bit of uh, stamina to be able to return to golf, um, to return to competitive golf. And, um, you know, we're, we're targeting the, the, you know, the target keeps shifting based on how I feel, but um, the new targets January, 2023 now um, to, you know, kind of get, get all the way back and be able to play, you know, I, I call it be able to play eight days a week. You know, and that that's kind of what it what it takes um, to to play at the highest level of golf. So knowing what you've been through coming back from a back surgery, are you amazed that Tiger Woods, who almost had his leg amputated from his car accident, was able to return and play in the Masters and actually make the cut and play four rounds? Yeah, no question. I mean, that's a that's a huge feat. And um you know, on, on, on a smaller level, basically everything that Tiger was saying, like, is how I'm feeling. Right. And, and I mean, I, I just had a small back surgery. I didn't have my, you know, leg smashed, you know, so I feel bad making that comparison in one way, but, but everything that he was talking about, have about having to recover, about having to, you know, do all the work off the golf course to be able to play and compete on the golf course. I mean, that's, that's really what it is, is all about for me. And so having, Having just a little bit of that knowledge, um, it, it's it's unreal what what he was able to do. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, hats off to him. I mean, you, like I tell tell people all the time, you know, from from February right when that accident happened, is you never count Tiger Woods out. And last for me before I throw it over to John, but kind of another commentary on current PGA Tour state of affairs. Are you amazed that Scotty Scheffler is on a run in which I think he's won? four events in the span of the, this season alone. Yeah. I mean, Scott, he's a great player. You know, he was a great player at Texas. He was a great young player on the nation or the corn Ferry tour. Um, and, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those guys who was just a matter of time before he won. And then when he did, he kind of just took it on a tear. 
And, and that's, you know, that's golf. I mean, you gotta, at, at every level, you know, you have those stretches where you're on fire and you just try to make them last as long as you can. And he's done a darn good job of making this one last. Yeah. It's been fun to watch this uh, PGA tournament season so far, the young players, the, you know, the comeback from tiger and, and yeah, the, the most recent tournament down right by your house there in Harbortown. Have you ever, have you ever been able to play that course and, and what was your best round there? Uh, yeah, I played a couple of the uh, RBCs out at, out at uh, Harbortown. Um, the best round I ever played there, I shot four under, but it was in the hosing rain and just a terrible, it might not be the best score that, I, that I've shot there, but, but certainly the best, uh, it was the second round in maybe 2015 or 2017 or so 2017 maybe. Um, and I, I, I've, played great and um yeah, it was actually prior than that whatever it doesn't matter what year it was but it was um it, so they start to run together at some point which which is a good thing that i have enough years that they they run together um but uh yeah it, that's a i mean that's one of my favorites on tour harbor town just because it's you know it's a little shorter it's a little tighter premium on hitting the ball straight and short game and and those are the places where i excel and 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 you know i've had a, have had a couple of good finishes there. Never really capitalized a Sunday there, but had some, had some good finishes out at Harbortown. Yeah. All of my uh, rounds in the sixties are uh, blending together and blurring together too. That's for sure. So Billy, before I let you go, uh, last thing as a graduate, your alma mater this past sports year ended up 20 and four in the star series, 20 and four. Uh, we have characterized that now several times as a first rate ass shellacking and, you know, we, we couldn't be happier about it for us and for Army West Point, for that matter. But as a graduate, what's it like to kind of live through those proud moments uh, with, you know, with the rest of your shipmates who are still competing? And then in your four years, I don't know if we ever asked you this, what's your record against Army in your four years? Well, you know, the star match is kind of the culmination of every sport in a, in, in a sense. You, you know, I mean, it's... Uh, you, you, you can have a terrible year, but if you beat Army, it kind of makes up for it, right? And that's that's kind of always been the case. And it's always, you know, that's a for, – for us in golf, you know, that was the the biggest, uh, you know, biggest weekend of the year, especially we all, especially the fall, biggest weekend of the fall. I mean, that was circled on the calendar, you know. As soon as you finish the conference championship, the next thing was beating Army in the fall. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to tell you, John, that we beat Army all four years I was there. I don't know if you knew that or not, but, you know – um, we, uh, yeah, I didn't, 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 didn't lose, didn't lose a star match to, to, to army in the four years I was there. Well, I know I'm looking forward to getting a blow by blow account of those, uh, victories, uh, at the RMG on May 13th, hopefully a little warm up for the, uh, for the tournament on the 16th, ladies and gentlemen, May 16th, 2022, the brave golf tournament at the newly renovated U S Naval Academy golf course. Go to bh3.golf, and right there at that website, you can see a little button on the far right that says donate. Please go in and donate. Help, help Billy and his wife continue to do the great things they're doing for our families and for our service members. Billy, for what you do, thank you, and thank you for joining the podcast. Thanks, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Billy Hurley. The host and running the tournament on May 16th, the Brave Golf Tournament at the Naval Academy Golf Course. We're going to go to break. This is Sing Second Sports. 
A special thank you to our friends at the Naptown Scoop. Hey, if you're an Annapolis resident or somebody that lives outside of Annapolis but gets back to town like me, you definitely want to sign up for the Naptown Scoop. There is not a better place online to find out the latest in local politics, sports, weather, restaurant openings, what acts will be playing at what bars over the weekend. Go to naptownscoop.com, click on the subscribe button, and start getting in the know. That's naptownscoop.com, click on subscribe. Now back to the pod. All right, hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It's time for our athlete segment. We have not, in the two full seasons of the Sing Second Sports Podcast, covered crew and for that we apologize we are fixing this today we are so happy to be joined by evan robertson he is a senior on the men's heavyweight rowing team a local product from annapolis maryland he went to annapolis area christian school and is about to wrap up uh his career at the naval academy number one evan thank you so much for joining the podcast number two walk us through how the crew season is going it's about done but you still have some work left right Yes, sir. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, right now, our cruise season, we're in the last two weeks. We're uh, building up to our Eastern Sprints. So we've had a pretty good season so far. We just raced Hobart, Columbia, and uh, GW, and we beat them real good. So it's been a good time. Uh, as we wrap up the season, we're kind of focusing back into getting the speed in the boats as we prepare for our national championships, which we're excited for. Hope to do really well. So walk me through your four years. Um, obviously, in the smack dab middle of your Naval Academy career, you had this teeny tiny pandemic uh, that rolled through and sort of turned everything on its head. Yeah, you know, how, how would you characterize your, your, your athletic career from when you showed up uh, to, to where you are today? Yeah, COVID was definitely a speed bump. I uh, showed up as a plebe, and I was coming from a very small crew team here in Annapolis, AJR. And it was a bit of a culture shock coming to the Navy crew team. They were a lot more serious. It was a lot faster paced. So I was getting into the groove of things. And I think just as I got into the groove of the team and like that hard work, those morning practices, COVID hit. And that knocked us out for a long time as it knocked out every team. So that was pretty painful. But uh, we actually stayed pretty strong together as a team doing workouts from home, sometimes just from our rooms in Bancroft. And we came back after COVID and our spring season coming back from COVID was very successful. We got up, out back on the water and now we're full swing again. And it's really awesome to be back with the guys on the water, no masks in the boathouse, everything. So before I turn it over to Chris and Wags to ask you some questions, back in December, there is a very small announcement uh, where you were uh, one of the selections to be a Marshall Scholar. Um, so there have been, by my count, uh, on the Naval Academy website, 32 Marshall Scholars. And, and in case people don't know, Marshall Scholars are American students of high ability who were given the opportunity to study in the United Kingdom. Uh, the whole idea of the Marshall Scholarship is to strengthen the bond between the American and British people by giving its scholars a lasting understanding of British society. So Evan, Back in December, you were announced as a Marshall Scholar, and you will pursue your Master of Science in Advanced Mechanical Engineering with Aerospace at the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow, Scotland. Tell us a little bit about this. Like, that's a nice side hustle, other than you, uh, you know, being on the heavyweight crew team. 
<laughs> yeah, you have to have something on the side. Uh, yeah, so the whole application process last fall, it was, it was a bit of a pain. There's this online application that takes around 40, 50 hours to complete. And if you get selected for an interview, you have to go meet with the British consulate and you're talking to British ambassadors and they're asking you all these questions about British society and how you're going to affect the change in the future. So it was a pretty stressful whole experience to be doing alongside my rowing career. But yeah, I was, I got the, I got the phone call, my phone, my phone was ringing and it said British consulate on the contact name. And I just about had a heart attack, but yeah, I was incredibly excited to be awarded the marshal. It's uh, still a bit of a, I'm still adjusting to it. It's something I'm incredibly proud of and I'm super excited to pursue. You, you've reached the big time when you're screening calls uh, from the British consulate. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so how, how long will the program be? And then when you're done with the program, what did, what did you service select? What, what, what will you do in the fleet? So I've got, I've got one year of my master's degree in England, and then I'm heading out to flight school in Pensacola, trained as a naval aviator. Oh, awesome. This is, uh, well, I, I know that you'll keep yourself busy in Scotland, but, uh, uh, I, I just think that's the coolest thing ever to be part of that very select, uh, crew. I mean, we've talked to Sarah Skinner. She got the Rhodes Scholar earlier. I know that we just had a couple of Olmsteads. So to be a part of that, uh, you know, that fraternity, that sorority of scholars, Evan, is pretty awesome. Wags? Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about rowing. You, I know you're a member of the Annapolis Junior Rowing Club, and that's a pretty strong organization. Um, but, you know, rowing at the, you know, recreation and uh, amateur and, and high school level is a lot different than doing so for uh, at the major collegiate level. Uh, a, do you feel like the, your time with the Annapolis Junior Rowing prepared you well for being on the Navy crew team? And B, what, you know, what is the difference as far as collegiate rowing? It is a definite major step up, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, so rowing for AJR really did align me. It is a lot of hard work. I was captain of the team in 2018, so I had that bird's eye perspective on the team and having to encourage everyone else to work hard. I would say the biggest change from rowing from a club at, like AJR to rowing on the heavyweight crew team at Navy is the time commitment and the commitment of the guys around you. You know, we're getting up at 4.30, 4.40 every morning to get out on the water for morning practice. And then we're getting out on the water in the afternoons again until 6, 7 at night. And every single guy in the boathouse is just pumped to do it. That is something that I haven't seen anywhere else. That drive of everyone on the team, that commitment to spend, you know, five, six hours a day working hard on the water for each other. It's a brotherhood that you can't really form without that hard work. And why don't you kind of let our listeners know, obviously, the goal for Navy uh, rowing on both the men's and women's side is to compete in nationals. Um, what does Navy need to do to qualify for nationals? And do you feel good that Navy is set up for that? Oh, yes, sir. We've had our, uh, so during the winter training, we'll get on the rowing machine, the ERGs. And this past season, our times on the ERGs, our physical strength, were better than we've ever been. So we're in a really good position to do well at nationals this year. I'm currently rowing in the second varsity boat and our top three boats, 1V through 3V, we're rowing faster than we ever have. So we're all really excited to get to nationals. We're rowing against teams like Princeton and Washington, Harvard, these teams that have sunk a lot of money into their rowing programs, but we're right there with them. And we're really excited to go toe to toe with them. Evan, before I let you go, I have to ask you, have you or your teammates ever watched the movie Oxford Blues with Rob Lowe? <laughs> 
I've heard lots about it. I can't say I've actually watched it though. I know that might be a sin. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's an absolutely horrible movie, but you know, it talks <laughs> about an American student uh, in Great Britain rowing. I mean, it sounds like your story. You know, I, I don't know how much you look possibly like Rob Lowe, but it's uh, it should be important research uh, that you do for your trip out there. Yeah, I'll definitely have to add that one to the list and uh, try and make myself look a little bit more like Rob Lowe. Maybe I can look play the part a little better. <laughs> All right. Well, Evan, before I let you go, if you add like two minutes in an elevator with a prospective student uh, or anyone who's considering going to the Naval Academy, how would you describe, even with COVID uh, kind of disrupting the middle of your career, you know, what, what would you say uh, was special about the Naval Academy and took you from coming out of Annapolis Area Christian School to now being a Marshall Scholar, um, it, how, how would you characterize what, what makes this place so special and how it got you to where you are? Yeah, I think the thing that makes this place so special is the people here. You know, being surrounded by people on my team and people in my classes that everyone's competing to be the best and everyone's kind of used to being the best and now they're, everyone's thrust into this environment where everyone else is competing with them. They're right there nipping at their heels. But it's that kind of friendly competition, that vicious but friendly competition that pushes you forward. So I, I would say get ready to work hard and get ready to want to work hard because the people around you are definitely going to be working hard and you have to keep up with them if you're going to go fast. It's incredible advice. And again, I walk away from every single one of these interviews so, uh, so heartened by, uh, by what the future brings. Uh, you're obviously going to do great things overseas and in the fleet. Evan, Thank you so much. Good luck with the rest of your cruise season. Here's hoping that commissioning week is beautiful. And, uh, and thanks for joining the pod. Thank you much. And thanks for having me on. All right. No problem. Ladies and gentlemen, I was Evan Robertson. We are going to go to a break. When we come back, Wags, Chris, and I will bring this baby out. This is Sing Second Sports. One last read before we let you go. This is my favorite read of the week because it involves Hawaiian shirts. It's that time of year. The weather is getting warmer. You're going to be heading to barbecues. And it is true. The only Aloha shirt for Annapolis is now available. A fellow alumni partnered with Ryan Spooner of Hawaii to create a unique and timeless homage to your years on the Severn or your commitment to raising or hosting a midshipman. If you're a parent or sponsor, you don't just have to be a grad to wear this cool shirt. Ryan Spooner is known as the Brooks Brothers of the Islands for quality and style. Their shirts are amazing. This is a one-time opportunity. It expires at the end of May. So if you're interested, go to Annapolis dash shirt dot my shopify dot com one more time annapolis dash shirt dot my shopify dot com get yours today and remember time tide and the annapolis aloha shirt wait for no one so check it out today now back to the pod all right ladies and gentlemen awesome conversations there with billy hurley and with evan robertson who apparently is a super smart guy kind of like chris Trevello. so before we take this out this was also a pretty big week for football um we all we announced uh from coach niamatololo and triple a uh this past week that kip franklin john marshall and Bijan nichols were voted as team captains by their teammates Franklin, who is a native of Germantown, Tennessee, um, is the only offensive lineman to start all 12 games in 2021. He was named All East. 
And not only will he have the honor of serving as the team captain, but he'll also wear David Forney's number 68. He joins Marshall and Nichols as the team captains. Wags, what were your thoughts on these selections? They're ideal. And I like the fact that a specialist is the captain. That doesn't happen very often, but Bijan deserves this. He has been an important, integral factor on this team for four years. He's going to go down in Navy history as one of the finest place kickers, one of the most productive place kickers in Navy football history. So I really like that a specialist is being given the captain nod. Um, I think all of these are great choices. We've already seen during spring football, Kip Franklin emerged as a, a definite leader of the team. Uh, I just think all three choices are outstanding. Um, you know, it's they've been doing two offense, two defense, and I like this one offense, one defense, one special teams. I kind of I, I like this uh, mixture, John. Yeah, and I know that you know with COVID and everything else, uh, it 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 sort of warps time. But I always used to joke, you know, that, you know, in this day and age, you know, that John Shire was at Duke for like seven years or certain guys seem like, yeah, like Jordan Bohannon at Iowa, I think, played for 10 years for the Iowa basketball team. Um, but Bijan Nichols, honestly, it feels like Bijan has been our kicker since the 90s. Uh, so hats off to him uh, for continuing to be so consistent. And now he is bestowed. Uh, the honor of being one of the co-captains. These guys are going to be leading their team against NFL-ready teams, NFL-ready players that could not have been highlighted more uh, than in the first round, and for that matter, the entire 2022 NFL draft. So highlighted by the first two picks and 10 selections in the first two days, 19 players from the American Athletic Conference were chosen in the 2022 NFL Draft. Absolutely amazing. Highlighted by Sauce Gardner, uh, the Cincinnati defensive back. He went four overall. Uh, Tulsa offensive tackle Tyler Smith goes to Chris Cervello's Dallas Cowboys at number 24. I'm sure Cervello hates that pick. Um, but, you know, there were just names throughout all of the rounds, including, you know, Spencer Rattler going before any other quarterback other than Kenny Pickett, but he went before Malik Willis. Uh, so really, really good day uh, for the American Athletic Conference in the NFL draft. One name that we did not hear called was Diego Fagos. But within minutes of the draft wrapping up, it was announced that Diego Fago was signed as an undrafted free agent by the Baltimore Ravens. So, Pretty awesome deal. Again, great press, great for the brand of Navy athletics and Navy football. Wags, in the end, what did you make of the success of the American Athletic Conference during the draft and the fact that Diego wasn't drafted? Is, you know, does it give him the flexibility now to pick the right scenario? And are the Baltimore Ravens that right scenario? Well, first and foremost, regarding the American Athletic Conference, it, it just is proof of what we've known now for quite some time that. The American Athletic Conference is truly, as its you know, mantra has been, a power six conference. And you know, when you talk about having more draft choices than two other power five conferences, that speaks volumes. And you know, I've, I've, I've all of these guys as they are getting picked, I, I've, I've covered them. I've watched them play against Navy. I know how legit these players are, 
And this is not really anything new. This has been happening for several years that the AAC has had, you know, multiple draft picks and, and sending lots of guys to the NFL. Uh, with regard to Diego, um, I think the uncertainty of whether or not service academy athletes can play professional sports is kind of at play here. And it's really an odd situation. But there is a policy in place, a Department of Defense policy that states that service academy graduates can immediately uh, pursue professional sports after graduation and defer their, mil their military obligation. However, the, all of what happened last year when the Secretary of the Navy, and I should mention he was the acting Secretary of the Navy, not a full-term appointed Secretary of the Navy, but it, frankly, a rogue Secretary of the Navy decided not to forward the request of a couple Naval Academy graduates to pursue pro sports. He, the, this acting Secretary of the Navy would not forward that a forward ahead to the to the defense secretary at Lloyd Austin. And that's what's caused the confusion. Everyone. And if you're an NFL executive, you're sitting there saying, do I want to use a valuable draft pick on a player that I don't know for 100% sure is going to be allowed to play for us? So this is probably the best route. Uh, the Ravens are nearby. It won't be a problem for Diego to attend the rookie free agent minicamp that they'll no doubt be having here in a few weeks. Um, I would hope that he'll be able to attend training camp fully and maybe still do part-time work if he has to for the Navy. Uh, I believe Diego was slated to uh, be on uh, temporary assignment duty at the Naval Academy after graduation. So I think that something accommodations could be made. So I think this is a great situation. And in a lot of ways, Diego Fago is, is very much like a Raven. He kind of fits the profile of a Ravens defender. So I think in every respect, this is working out well for Diego. We still have not heard anything regarding Michael McMorris, who I definitely feel is an NFL caliber type player, deserves a shot to show what he can do. But I really believe, John, that all of what that went down last year with Cameron Kinley, uh, I think it's affected the mindset of some NFL decision makers as they're trying to decide whether to use a valuable draft pick on a player or simply sign them as a free agent. I, I have absolute faith that uh, Carlos Del Toro, uh, Secretary of the Navy, Naval Academy graduate, will absolutely um, do the right thing by the policy, by the Navy, by the Naval Academy, and by Diego Fago. Um, I mean, I know there's all sorts of discussions that, you know, what will happen when this gets to the Secretary of Defense's level, but I mean, as Wag said, there's a policy. I suspect that they're going to let Diego play. You're always going to have that uncertainty uh, at the exec level. Um, and, you know, as you and Wags pointed out, I mean, I actually think Diego going to the Ravens is a better scenario maybe than having been drafted by someone else that maybe isn't as familiar with service academy athletes, that isn't as familiar with the, the dynamic um, you know, Harbaugh is very familiar with, uh, with Annapolis. He's very familiar with the Naval Academy, with Naval Academy athletes. They've got a new defensive coordinator um, that's coming from Michigan. 
um, that has actually been a part of the Ravens uh, family. Um, so I think, as Wag said, this is a great situation for Diego, and it's a great situation for Naval Academy football. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, riding the wave of of your prediction, Chris, you know, that that will allow uh, the likes of Jen Coleman and and really Matt Nasita, and, and I'm thinking about Matt Nasita first and foremost here. You know, you're you, this is a guy who was drafted higher than anyone else since David Robinson. Um, you know, to, to be drafted that high in the MLS draft, particularly with the talent level that's growing in MLS, uh, there are some requests to play professionally uh, from these athletes. And, and I echo you know, what you and I have talked about before, but particularly what you just said, I, I think that this is the right thing for the Navy. Uh, and hopefully you know, within the accommodations of this policy, uh, the Navy and the Naval Academy can reap the benefits uh, of this press. Uh, so we'll we'll keep you updated as this keeps going. Um, well, I'll tell you what, Chris and Wags, as I looked back um, on the uh, on the archives of the Sing Second Sports podcast, I realized that it was on May second, two thousand twenty, uh, that we recorded Pod Zero. Uh, as we record this, it's May fourth, two thousand twenty-two. A lot of time has gone by. Uh, two years has kind of seemed like five years, you know, two years ago at this date, it kind of felt, felt like the world was melting around us uh, with COVID. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty. We really didn't even know if this was going to work. And here we are two years later, we're 140-ish pods through through two full seasons. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I wouldn't ride or die with anyone else uh, than you guys and Ward Carroll uh, so thank you for being uh, what you were for these last two years. We just have two pods left in this season, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, we will bring you retired Rear Admiral Scott Sanders, uh, who is a former Blue and Gold officer, was a Blue and Gold officer for one midshipman candidate, Chris Cervello, back in the day, and now runs his own whiskey distillery down in Southern Maryland. And we're also going to talk to Dan Runsheimer from the great class of 06, uh, with Custodis Libertatis, the organization that they use to build scholarship money for fallen members of the class of 2006. Uh, we've already talked to Justin Free from that organization. To have Dan Runsheimer on to talk about the good that they did in this past year is going to be great. And then finally, on May 20th is D-Day, our final pod of the year. We're going to have an exclusive interview with Chuck Gladchuck, have him summarize this 20 and four star series year presented by USAA, where we dominated Army. Have him talk about the advent of two more varsity sports in the form of men's and women's rugby coming down the pike and have him talk about what the future next year might look like for all of the sports. Um, we're still gonna have sports going on. I know track and field and crew are still gonna be doing what they're doing, uh, leading right up to commissioning, but uh, we just wanted to say thank you for two years of being our fans. Thank you to Wags. Thank you to Chris. Thank you to Ward Carroll for all of those guys and our sponsors, particularly our sponsors at Dry 85. And as we record this on May 4th, 2022, the new spring menu debuts today on Wednesday. Go into Dry, 40, Dry 85. Try to yeah see what the new uh, old fashions taste like. There's an awesome mezcal delicacy that owner Brian Bolter put together. Go in there and support our great sponsors and please keep supporting Navy sports. I am John Schofield. This is Sing Second Sports. We'll see you next week. We're out.
thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segment. 